0: Visit roberthalf.com today. After picking up midweek wins in the Champions League, Man City and Liverpool return to the domestic front where the margin for error is zero. Old boy Frank squares off against Chelsea. Carlos circles in on fifth top five league titles. More twists and turns are expected in the race for the Scudetto and Celtic and Rangers. Dust themselves off for another round in the old firm derby. I've got Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad for company. The Keigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to kego Lasso. kego Lasso pod on Twitter, YouTube.com forward slash kego Lasso. We have passed eleven thousand subscribers. Thank you so much. Help us get to twelve thousand, of course. And let's welcome in in soccer in Jimmy. And so- they both come together beautifully. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing great, LME. Great to see your face, as always. And JJ, kind of. I'm just (laughs) kidding. I see JJ all the time. No, JJ, always great to see you and and to uh, talk shop with everybody. I just want to give a shout out to the Seattle Sounders. They played in the CONCACAF Champions League leg one. I love that it's a two-legged Champions League final, by the way, in CONCACAF. And we never really get luck. I say we as like an MLS, you know, uh, entity, we never get any luck in the Champions League final, and we got a little luck last night thanks to VAR and the referees. So shout out. 2-2 after leg one goes back to Seattle uh, next Wednesday, and I'm hopeful they can do the business. First MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Galaxy did it with the CONCACAF Champions Cup in 20 or 2000, but uh, they didn't have any FIFA Club World Cup action at that time.
0: That's right, my friend. History awaits for Seattle Sounders. Fantastic stuff as they host Pumas next week. Jonathan Johnson, how's it going, buddy?
2: Hey there, guys. Great to be back on with you. Well, kind of great to be back on with
0: Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> to, be honest, to
2: be honest, I thought he was baiting you LME with the snapback.
0: <laughs> I, I know. Should've, I should have oh, put it on
2: backwards. Yeah, please show it. <laughs> I got it. I got wait, wait,
0: well, gotta, gotta, it. But what
2: happened? Gotta love that rave green. <laughs> oh, my God. You, yes. look, you, you <laughs> look
0: even it's younger. Jimmy, Jimmy Conrad's
1: skateboarder look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going to yeah. go and graffiti something downtown. I'm that, I'm
1: that downtown. Steve Buscemi meme, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jimmy, I loved you in Tennis the Menace. I thought you were okay.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh,
0: Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, welcome everybody. kego Lasso, pod, our weekend preview. We have a lot to discuss, of course, including the Premier League, some tasty games there, as well as uh, Real Madrid closing in on their title in La Liga before they have to face off Man City for hopefully another cracker in the Champions League. Serie A Madness, of course, the old firm. And some final thoughts from these two lovely gentlemen. Before we get going, I did want to just bring this up. I wanted uh, some thoughts from yours, uh, from from these two gents, uh, as well as my own, I guess. But I I did want to open it up. Listen, uh, we're taping this on Thursday morning, Eastern time, really early morning, West uh, Coast and afternoon in Europe where JJ is. And obviously, the last few hours have kind of been... Insane. By the time you listen to this or watch this, it's probably a Friday, so a lot probably has happened since then. But reports came out that Super Agent Mino Raiola passed away. He died, literally confirmed by many, many reputable places. Uh, everybody was tweeting it, posting it, including our own uh, work of establishment, by the way. So I retweeted it. You know, reputable places were were, we're talking about this then. A few moments passed and then other reputable reporters say, no, it hasn't been confirmed. And obviously, Mina Raiola himself, at least his Twitter account, also um, countered the original news that he had passed away. I wanted to just bring this up, guys, because less about, obviously, I wish Mina Raiola the best in terms of his health. And, and hopefully he recovers. Uh, sending my wishes to him, his family, his loved ones, of course. It's really less about that part and more about how we are just living in a circus, man. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm literally part of it. And we're just accountable to all of this. It's insane. Jimmy Conrad, how immediacy has become so important. It's a very important news value. I get it. But at the cost of trust and accountability and attribution, I feel like we need to really take a step back because things are just, they're, they're just insane. I mean, it, it's too much for me. What, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, yeah, it comes down to journalistic integrity. So when some of these outlets are putting this out there without getting official confirmation that that's troubling because they seem to be thirsting for being first as opposed to being right. And and that is something that we have to count on when you have a blue check mark next to your name on, on Twitter in particular or whatever that, you that you're right. And I don't know why you have to be first there. I mean, what what does it change? I mean, yeah, you might get a few more likes, you might get a few more retweets. But if you're wrong, then it's going to really blow up in your face. And that's what's happening right now, not only to maybe one of the originators of that information, but also the people that are that are following through, which is which is which is crummy, because you're relying on these people that are usually normally spot on. Maybe not always spot on, but but close to it. I'm talking about Tancredi Palmieri, I think, is one of the first. And, and I know Tancredi and and you know he does put out some dodgy tweets sometimes. And, and it's, you know, he's just trying to maintain his reputation as a, you know, as a behind the scenes guy, you know. And I'm sure our Fabrizio Romano has surpassed him and then some by like a hundred times. But it, it's tough. It's a tough, tough space to be in, but that doesn't mean that you need to try to reach. For for things that aren't true, and that's that's a little bit disappointing. Now, obviously, thoughts with Mino um, you know, Raiola and that he's only fifty four and is potentially very close to to passing away is is really sad. And there's a lot to unpack with uh, his influence uh, in the game as well. And, and I know not a lot of people are a big fan of of agents and in in particular, but uh, that aside, the whole the, the journalistic integrity stuff is is really disappointing that there was a lack of it uh, with regard to this news.
0: Yeah. And uh, well said, Jimmy. And obviously, as I mentioned, by the time you watch or listen to this, uh, many more developments will surely come. But I, I, to me, Jonathan Johnson, and I wanted to just bring it back to you, was because, you know, you are, 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 are a very reputable journalist for not just uh, the resume that you have, but you, you work for, for CBS Sports. And of course, And how, how do you see this, uh, the difference between... Living and working in an environment where immediacy is massive, we need to get that news out because it helps us understand how the audience can develop a certain level of trust in us. But at the same time, you know, wait for the actual attribution. I feel like sometimes it gets lost that that kind of integrity. What do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First of all, I just want to start by echoing uh, Jimmy's thoughts, uh, you know, where he said, you know, thoughts with uh, Mino Ryota's loved ones, uh, you know, those closest to him. He's he's got a great professional team around him, so thoughts with them as well at this difficult time. He's obviously in a a very uh, tough place uh, right now fighting for his life. And, you know, I think as well, these moments are kind of, you know, some of the most challenging when you are uh, a journalist of repute. Uh, you know, credit to, to Fabrizio, our colleague, for for reaching out and trying to establish, you know, what actually uh, was going on. I mean, I think when these kind of things happen, there is always um, a, a temptation, uh, you know, sort of to be the first one to. to to break that story uh, as as we've established. I mean, it's not just, you know, sort of since my time starting with CBS Sports, like having worked for a number of outlets over the years, I've seen how these kind of things can work when a story lands on the desk that's not necessarily been verified, uh, you know, and there is that temptation to run with it, but also that need, uh, you know, to verify it. Uh, and I'd say, you know, if if I had to be keeping account of the number of times the obituaries could have been published for people who hadn't actually died yet, uh, it is it, it is quite crazy. It's also quite sad that these things are, are prepared ahead of time. You know, sometimes decades uh, in advance in uh, in in some cases. But I do think it is important when you have that ability to to be, uh, you know, an insider. You know, Jimmy mentioned uh, Tancredi. Earlier, uh, you know, we've got our own Fabrizio Romano as well. When you have that ability, uh, you know, to to reach behind the scenes, to to retrieve the actual truth about something as serious as this, it you know, it really is important to, to use it in that way, uh, you know, because I think it's very easy to sort of be first to say like a transfer story or, I don't know, a manager getting fired, something like that, and, you know, playing with somebody's, you know, life, uh, it, you know, because – It is a very, very uh, sensitive subject and one that has to be handled, uh, you know, with utmost care. Uh, And unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people uh, out there have let themselves down with this one today. Um, You know, and and fingers crossed, it's something that, you know, we can manage to, to, to fix moving forward to get greater accuracy, greater responsibility in there.
0: Yeah, well said to both of you. We're going to move on. Just my my final thought is this, everybody, which is something that Jonathan literally just said just now. Just empathy is something that sometimes is getting lost right now. Just imagine being a loved one uh, next to it. doesn't have to be mino any anybody, right? Just think about the consequences. I think Twitter is a very serviceable tool. I literally teach this at journalism school, but like sometimes we need to just sit back and understand that our actions You know have consequences etc etc thank you so much yeah go
2: ahead a, a lot a lot of people ask me all the time why do i spend so much time on twitter why do i prefer it to stuff like instagram or facebook or whatever and i find that you know when i have something to say it's the fastest way to to reach your audience and there's a lot to be said for that uh you know it's just really important to you know to to take care with the these things you know to be in tune emotionally which unfortunately a lot of people aren't on twitter you know but also you know how would they feel? You know or how would they like it if, you know, the shoe was on the other foot uh, and basically their life, uh, you know, was being turned into uh, a bunch of memes, which is you know what happened today on Thursday in the in reaction to to Mino Rauda's situation.
0: Yep, well said, my friend. All right, well let's move on, everybody, and let's talk about the weekend. Of action, uh, and once again, we all conclude by wishing the best to Minarola, his family, his loved ones, and everybody around his close circle. All right, the Premier League, everybody, continues, of course, and let's focus on the title race. From a obviously, you know, we know that Man City and Liverpool remain the two headliners here, and Liverpool travel to Newcastle United, so it's a great thing. We didn't even. Do this by coincidence, Jimmy Conrad? We wanted to know. Amazing, Uh, amazing. And then Leeds host Manchester City, but Newcastle, Liverpool. Newcastle looking good uh recently top off of the table Jimmy Conrad look at it he's so smug about it all right talk how, how do you yeah, see this because
1: I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm just looking down at your ass in villa right now and I'm like wonder what, wonder what that's like down there yeah. but and you know what Ninety 93- three.
2: Who, who, who invite who invited Jimmy <laughs>
1: <laughs> 93 days ago the team was currently in 19th and now they're in ninth uh they've won seven out of their last 10 I feel like Eddie Howe deserves the title of sir sir Eddie Howe um <laughs> What's interesting is that the last time they played Liverpool was in Anfield in December, and they lost three one. Kind of an uneventful game in general. The better team won, and this was before the January transfer window. Before they picked up a couple key pieces: uh, Target, Burn, uh, Bruno Guimaraes. But but what happened in that particular game that really changed, I think, the complexion of their season was Joe Linton being moved to central midfield. That's when when Willock and Sean Long- Longstaff were healthy, and Eddie Howe's like, "I'm going to put him at midfield," and he has been. I mean, it's been incredible his transformation from a kind of hapless striker that they paid forty million for for our, like one of the top number eights in my humble opinion in the Premier League. I mean, when you look at twenty since twenty twenty two started, only two teams have bettered the form that Newcastle earned in the Premier League, and it's Liverpool and Manchester City. That's it, and then it's Newcastle. So Joe Linton's been a big part of that, and for a while he was playing so well in the middle of midfield. That Bruno Guimaraes, our big signing, didn't even get to play for five games. You know, didn't even, it's crazy. So so that was a really important moment the last time we played Liverpool. What's also interesting about Newcastle is that they play Liverpool this weekend, play Man City next weekend. So they're at a really unique position to have a pretty impactful uh influence on on who wins the title race and who doesn't i mean they're probably going to fold in both but who knows you know i mean you just you I mean, don't it's really a test. know it's a, it's test, a test for
0: Newcastle united it's we've seen test. how i mean who would have thought it jimmy con jonathan johnson who would have thought it the richest club now in the history of the globe is doing well wow amazing
2: huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly no really uh didn't expect that i don't know if it's uh my my me growing up in the British school system, but I just feel like Joe Linton is somebody that I could have gone to school with years ago in England. But uh, no, I mean, really, really, I think it's, uh, you know, it it was a great tactical switch. Uh, You know, sometimes you see these uh, and it, you know, it completely changes the the, the complexion of a team. Uh, that's definitely something that's happened with Joel Linton. Um, and, you know, I think as well, once Newcastle kind of got that monkey off the back uh, of their disappointing start to the season and managed to start putting it together, there was always a talented squad. I mean, obviously, they added some important pieces in the January transfer window, but there was always a talented squad that was probably better than the league position it was in. Uh, when Eddie Howe was brought in uh, and I think it was just a question of breathing a bit more be- self belief into into that group admittedly I didn't think that they'd go on this tear and get themselves into the top half of the table and potentially finish there which is what they're looking at between now and the end of the season but to have them as potentially the the best suited team to to come up against Liverpool and Man City and have a meaningful say in the title race uh, was extremely unexpected but also very exciting because I mean you know you look at the form that that Liverpool and City are coming into th- those clashes with Newcastle in, uh, you know, in Liverpool. I mean, okay, I know that they just disposed of Villarreal, had a moment of magic uh, featuring Salah and, uh, and Mane, but they really struggled to break down that Villarreal side, uh, you know, for the most part of 50 minutes or so. And I feel like this is not going to be an easy game for either Liverpool or City. There's definitely potential for somebody uh, to drop points in these two games.
0: All right, well, quick predictions, Conradinho. I just realized that's what you wrote on your <laughs> uh,
1: I, I love it. But, uh, uh, Newcastle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my
0: Listen, my, my, listen my,
1: heart, my heart says a draw. Uh, I think Newcastle at home are going to be difficult. Plus yeah. 350 is a tremendous value. But given the fact that Liverpool over the last 11 days beat City to go to the FA Cup final, a trophy they have at one under Klopp, then they beat United 4-0, Everton 2-0, and then finally did dispatch of Villarreal even though they were really the only team trying to win that game I think Villarreal were hoping to win that game but Liverpool were actually going out there and making that happen they've been tremendous over the last 11 12 days it's going to be hard to slow them down but I think that Newcastle could keep it close so my my head says Liverpool to win by a goal that's plus 255.
2: Yeah, I think the Villarreal match uh, has prepared Liverpool well for this. And I think they're just going to grind out the victory. Uh, I don't know whether to go for a 1-0 or a 2-1, but I think that Liverpool will win it just by a goal, uh, you know, just keep the momentum going with the result. Uh, I think all of the the criticism that we've seen of Villarreal over the last 24 hours or so was, was pretty below the belt. I, I don't think that they merited that, you know, they're in the Champions League semi-finals. Uh, on merit. They had some key unavailabilities, certainly an attack with no Gerard Moreno. Uh, you know, and I st- people still, they're, they're acting like this, this tie has already decided. It's definitely not over. I'm still expecting some magic in the, in the second leg. So we'll see if Liverpool can maintain this momentum. I think they're just about going to get it done against Newcastle, and then we'll see how they fare uh, next week against Villarreal.
0: Yeah, well, this is going to be a tough game. So I think definitely a one-goal differential is definitely the way to go. Newcastle, by the way, are winless in 10 Premier League meetings with Liverpool since a 2-0 win in December 2015. So we will see, specifically as Liverpool continues to get that quadruple sorted out. All right, very, you know, let's quickly, Leeds host Manchester City, though. And Leeds, you know, they're not out of the woods, uh, doing well under Jesse Marsh. The results have been positive but now they face a man city who equally jimmy conrad just like liverpool are looking to win this title and continue of course into the champions league what do you think
1: yeah they want to control their destiny manchester city very similar to what inter milan had till they completely botched it yesterday i know we'll talk seria here in a little bit but uh jesse marsh they are unbeaten in their last five They've only given up four goals in their last five. They they have two consecutive clean sheets. I mean, he's definitely turning it around on that side of the ball. Now, the last time they played City, they lost 7-0. So, you know, and the fact that he's changing the identity defensively is very important. The problem is the last two wins for Leeds it hasn't really been very aesthetically pleasing, but it's it's grinding out these results. Uh, it's going to be tough for for Leeds to, to get anything from this, other than maybe there's going to be a heavy rotation for Manchester City because... Obviously, the semifinal is still in the balance with a very slim 4-3 lead against Real Madrid. And we've already seen what Madrid can do at the Bernabeu in leg two with all the magic they're pulling out. uh, Benzema and Modric in particular. So I think there's going to be a rotated squad. I I think City are going to do the business here. It's just a matter of, you know, who's going to start and who's going to finish. I have City to win and Raheem Sterling to score. You can get a little same-gay parlay on on Caesar Sportsbook, who's our partner for all this stuff. That's plus one hundred and twenty. That's kind of what I'm looking at. I think Sterling will get the start, and I think he'll be eager to prove that he wants to be in the eleven for Madrid for the second leg.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm fancying City for this one, but also at the same time, uh, you know. There's a couple of hours between that Liverpool game and that City game, and that's a really good opportunity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Liverpool to put a, put a bit of pressure uh on City. I mean, okay, City are one of the, the few teams that you would expect uh, you know, to to not crack under that kind of pressure in this uh in this sort of situation. But you never know. It's not an easy game uh on the road. Uh again, I think this one's gonna be a, a narrow one. Uh, you know, maybe uh, a, a late burst to, to, to finish 2-0 for City, something like that. I can't I can't see it being uh, a cricket score.
0: Well, you know, regardless of that, I think the sentiment remains for both sides. They need to keep on pushing. It will be interesting. These are the key games, the ones in between important matches in the Champions League because equally they have a title to try and fight. Quick predictions here. Jimmy Conrad, leads Man City.
1: Without Patrick Bamford, it gives me some pause with regard to whether... Mm. Leeds can score. I, I'm. I'm. I'll say three-one City. I'll give Leeds a little something, but I just don't think they're gonna have enough.
2: JJ? Yeah, it's like uh, it's it's like Real missing uh, Benzema with no Bamford. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for
0: City 2 0 Leeds. All righty. Well, I think I might agree there. All right. The rest of the Premier League action. By the way, we are recording this before Manchester United against Chelsea on Thursday, which is obviously. Important for both sides. Uh, so we have Everton against Chelsea. That's the Frank Lampard derby.
1: You also have the Lukaku derby too. He did, he did spend some time uh, at, at Goodison Park.
0: Well, it's uh, how he made his name in, in the Premier League. Absolutely right. Yeah. I,
1: I'll, I'll jump in on this one and just say that uh, Everton are also going to have the benefit because they play on Sunday of knowing what happened in the Watford Burnley game. Mm. which is going to be important, obviously, to maybe how they approach. I mean, they got to win no matter what, but it could spur them on if if Burnley are very good uh, and and for whatever reason have Watford's number over the years. But say they drop points and that just could spur on Everton like, all right, this is our moment. And obviously there's more than enough narratives for Everton to go get a result against Chelsea. It was 1-1 between these clubs earlier in the season. So if Everton can kind of play like they did or try to play like they did against Liverpool in the first half where I thought they were really organized, their, their energy was up for it. They did create one or two chances where they could of maybe nicked a goal there. Um, and if they can kind of channel that and maybe play a little higher up the field, then, then, uh, you know, the Everton team, very similar to Newcastle, they have something you can see their talent, but their back line is a little suspect. So uh, I don't know how this one's going to play out. It's a bit of a coin flip, but I'd wait to see what the Watford Burnley score looks like first before maybe you make a wager on this, but Romelu Lukaku to score time plus one forty is something I'm looking at because he scored a lot of goals in good as in park. So why not get another one?
0: Well, give me a quick prediction before JJ jumps in. Cause we got a few other games. Yeah. I'll say,
1: I'll say, uh, you know, I'll give Everton a draw here. That's that's I'll say one, one.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. JJ.
2: Yeah, it feels like we're edging towards uh, last chance saloon territory for Everton yeah. because I feel like every time we're talking uh, about previews, we're we're just basically saying they need an unexpected result like the win against United a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to go for... I'm going to say Chelsea get the business done here. I'm going to go for 2-1. All
0: right. Well, that would mean extra anxiety for Everton fans. All right, two other games. By the way, Watford and Burnley face each other as well. But the one that I really wanted to just... Uh, Concluding or anything else before we wrap up and take a break is West Ham against Arsenal. Obviously, we're taping again before West Ham's big game in Europa League. Uh, But this is big, obviously, as they continue to climb up that table. Maybe a little bigger for Arsenal because this is really their only focal point, Jimmy Conrad. But regardless, I mean, it's, it's a big one for both sides. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, this is tough. I think there could be some type of drop-off after West Ham having to play uh, against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who I think that's going to take a lot of energy. Eintracht are going to make you run around a little bit, and, and uh, there's obviously some type of commitment to to try to get to the final. That would be a big deal for that club and David Moyes. Arsenal, after having a bit of a lost, lost four out of their last 5 If that won two straight, putting themselves back into position to secure that fourth spot. They beat West Ham earlier this season in December 2-0. I actually like Arsenal to get a result here. Uh, with all due respect to to what West Ham's doing, I just think when you're in between, if you're that in between game, two important legs in Europe, sometimes you're distracted as to the fine details of trying to get a result in the Premier League or domestically or whatever you're playing. So I like Arsenal to, to kind of ride their momentum. They've they've kind of started to shore it up again defensively, and and, uh, and Katia has been a nice uh, ah, fresh of breath air, breath breath of fresh air. I didn't say that one right, and uh, <laughs> And so, you know, as long as he continues to play with that type of confidence, it creates other opportunities for the other players. And I like Arsenal to to win this by a goal.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go for Arsenal as well. I think that West Ham are at that stage in the season where they know that the Champions League is beyond them now uh, and they know that they have a strong chance uh, you know, of qualification via the Europa League. I mean, I don't think that they'll consider it done uh, by any stretch of the imagination against Eintracht Frankfurt, but I think that they'll fancy themselves over two legs to at least get to the final, and I think they will give it everything. I mean, we've seen them resting players recently. We saw Declan Rice coming off the bench against Chelsea uh, recently, uh, and I think that West Ham will probably approach this uh, this game in the same vein, not forgetting that you know they've still got that three point advantage over Wolves as well. So I'm I'm fancying Arsenal for this one. It'll be tight, but I, I think they'll get the victory there.
0: Yeah, well, stats don't help because West Ham are unbeaten in their last uh, six Premier League home matches. But the Hammers have also lost more Premier League games against Arsenal than they have against any other uh, team in the competition. So something has to give. I, I I just think the singular focal point of the Premier League for Arsenal is probably a helpful thing in this situation. I'm going with an Arsenal win. As well. All right. Final thoughts in the Premier League before we take a break. JJ, I know where I'm going, but uh, what do you think? Where are you going, JJ? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, apart from JJ's uh, contract extension, obviously uh, Jacob Ramsey. I'm talking about. Yeah, apart from that bit of brilliant news, it's been pretty grim uh, for Villa fans recently. So obviously, I'm praying for three points, which would mean that we can put any relegation fears to bed. Don't want to put uh, Dean Smith under any extra pressure, but you know, we really need the points just to finish up our season with uh, with 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 no sort of on the seat of your pants action.
0: Yeah, I'll jump in as well before Jimmy jumps just on the Villa thing. Uh, you know, we we need a victory here. We, we need it. I want Emiliano-Wendia to start. I want some action. It is sad that it could mean that we send Dean Smith and Norwich down, but uh, there's nothing bigger than the club. So let's get those three points. Jimmy, where else are you looking at? Uh, I'm wanna, looking at... Oh, do you want to join
1: the Villa train? No, no, no that's a sad train. <laughs> I'm going to stay off of that. Tot- Tottenham versus Leicester. Okay. Is, uh, the game I'm looking at, obviously Lester's going to be playing Roma in the Conference League semifinals, so we'll see how they do. But then after that game, Tottenham needs it. They're two points behind Arsenal. They got Leicester, then they play Liverpool away at Anfield, and then it's the North London Derby. So they're going to want to keep within touching distance of Arsenal so they have a chance to leapfrog them in that game, and they've got a couple tough ones leading into that. Now, following the Arsenal game, they got Burnley and Norwich. So they got to feel, at least on paper, that they can get the six points to finish the season. But it's going to be these next two to set up that North London derby if they're really going to vie for that fourth spot. So that's a game to watch for sure.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, that was the Premier League for the weekend. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, Real Madrid, the chaotic Real Madrid, are looking to close in on getting that title in La Liga. We'll also talk about some madness in Italy as well. The Old Farm Derby, final thoughts, and that will be it. Weekend preview kegel saw jonathan johnson jimmy conrad lme we will be right back
1: hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you
0: Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com
1: slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking
2: for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to
1: the
0: perfect role,
1: like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Key Golazo, our weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad or Conradinho, as I should say. The other legendary, JJ. We have two in the Villa Faithful Club as well. And LME over here. Of course, we've talked permanently. Let's talk uh, La Liga here. It's Real madrid uh, and a point is all they need for uh, for Ancelotti and Los Blancos to get this done and they face Espanol and Ancelotti by the way nearing uh, a top 5 record here okay he could be a manager of winning the title in five leagues and here as you see the table if you're watching on YouTube Real Madrid closing in clearly ahead of everybody else uh, commendable for Barcelona to be in that situation but regardless Real Madrid 78 points, by the way, before we get into it, Jonathan Johnson, Carlo Ancelotti, he'll surely Real Madrid will get this done. Greatest club manager of all time. I mean, I
2: definitely think he's got a strong argument for being one of the best uh, club managers, certainly of modern times. Uh, I mean, there's very few, uh, you know, who can really hold a, a candle to him. You know, perhaps a, a Jose Mourinho in his prime, but no, Ancelotti is definitely one of the the elite uh, coaches, and it's it's really. It's, it's quite nice to see uh, you know what's going on with him at the moment because he had a couple of difficult postings where you know you started to sort of ask whether he would maybe lost his touch a little bit by munich, napoli, everton, you know none of them going sort of the way that he planned and then that return that unexpected return to real uh, and he's suddenly getting what what he didn't manage to achieve in the the first time around with uh, with real so Happy for him, happy that he's managed to sort of underscore, uh, you know, that top dog reputation in the managerial game. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, he he is, you know, one of a kind.
1: It, that's an irrefutable stat. I mean, the fact that he will now have won all five of the top European leagues is is pretty incredible. And I think it speaks to his ability to adapt to different situations, to different cultures, to different styles of play and still find ways to have success. Uh, Pep Guardiola obviously could, will be in that conversation having done it in Spain, Germany, and, and obviously and, and many thought that he couldn't do tiki-taka. Like you couldn't play that style in the Premier League. And he's proven that to be quite the opposite. So he should be in the conversation. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson more of a, you know, did it with Aberdeen, which was not easy and actually won a European title with Aberdeen and then went to Manchester United. And obviously his, his uh, glittering record speaks for itself. But the fact that Ancelotti went around Europe and and did it is is quite impressive. Now, obviously, very similar to Pep, he's inherited some amazing teams and had some money to spend on some players. And when we saw him, this is kind of what we wanted from Pep, too. Like, can he do it with a mid-table team that kind of struggles a little bit? And Ancelotti couldn't really do it with Everton, you know? So, so. You just kind of wonder. Uh,
0: no, I mean, he was kind of on his way, but then he was like, he well, though? Real Madrid what? were holding like a piece of candy and, and Carlo Ancelotti was like, OK, I mean, I'll, he, I'll go here. <laughs> Everton, obviously, uh,
1: in, in a lot worse situation when they got Rafa Benitez and now Frank Lamfrod in. But when I when with regard to to Ancelotti, yes, but but he wasn't going to go like scrape for titles or any of that type of stuff. So. I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting conversation to have. I know we have games to break down, but uh, fair play to Carlo. He's a fantastic manager, and obviously he's done it at the Champions League level as well.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, this is why we do this show. We like to keep the conversation going, because I did have one uh, intriguing uh, question as well. Back to you, Jimmy and JJ, you chime in. Uh, Desnor is nicely done on bringing it up, but, you know, Pep Guardiola, we we have been talking about him, right? Uh, Man City, uh, Bayern Munich, uh, Barcelona, could he keep going? Uh, How long do you see him in Man City, do you think?
1: Oh, I, th- I think he's going to be done in a couple seasons, May- maybe less than that, maybe one or two. It- I think it depends on whether he wins the Champions League. Mm. The guy still hasn't won a Champions League without Messi and his team. So it it feels like he's on a, a mission to prove that he can do it. And and once that's accomplished, and I- he's definitely got the players and he's now have a lead in, this- in the semifinal mm-hmm. to-, to help that out. I, I don't know. I don't I-, I feel like he wants to be potentially a national team manager. I- that might be his next step, but maybe it's too soon for that. Uh, I mean, his
0: Catalan blood might never really, you know, let that's him true. That's take true. care of Spain. Oh, I that's, mean, I don't, I don't see him it.
1: going to France. I don't really see him going to France. I don't think it's competitive enough. You know what I think? I think he'll, he will likes see New York dependency. City yeah. a lot.
0: He does. I'm just saying. I'm they just gotta,
1: saying they got to get out of a baseball stadium, and then I think. They <laughs> oh,
0: okay, that's, look at look, look at G- look
2: at Jimmy trying to get a rise out of me. You, you mean you mean that you mean you mean that Pep wouldn't like to reunite with Messi and try and win the Champions League next season? Is that what you're did, telling me?
1: I want you, Pep to do a San Antin, okay? And if he can do a San Antin, <laughs> then maybe I'll. Would I'll, you like
2: uh, that? Would more. you like that, Jonathan Johnson? Pec,
0: Guardiola at Manchester I mean, I
2: mean, I mean, who wouldn't like Pep? Uh, you know, coming to play in their backyard and mm. you know taking over their team and trying to lead them to to continental glory? Do I ever think it'll happen i mean at some point in the future maybe given peps links with qatar but i don't think it'll be in time to win the champions league with messi i don't think it'll be his next move either i mean if he is going to target that uh the 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 top five he's gonna have to make a return to italy where obviously he spent some of his playing career as well so that might be the next step for him but there's no obvious landing spot for him there either i I don't i don't see where would be the clear place for him to go next uh you know outside of the countries he's already coached in
0: i really hope he just decides to pick like a League 1 team or something. That would be incredible. But
2: he, he, he fielded questions about that recently when he was talking about and He said, if I had been in charge of Leeds, they'd probably still be in the
0: championship or something. Yeah, that's true. It is it is true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, Brescia for the Scudetto. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, let's move on because Real Madrid's winning this, right? Yes, Jimmy?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it, what's interesting is that they only need a point. And for them to do it at, at home, in front of their fans, I think it's is important. Uh, I think they're going to rotate the squad, though. I think you could see Lunin in goal. Uh, he's only playing the Copa del Rey for them. Vasquez will probably come in. Uh, Vallejo. Like, there's a couple players that are younger that don't get a lot of minutes. But now that with Rudiger coming in, like Vallejo now has to play well. Like, these guys have to play well to either yeah. stick with the team for next year or put themselves in the shop window so they can make a move. Rafa Marine is a fantastic young player. Probably the best young player in their academy right now. Then you got Camavinga is going to get some valuable minutes. Uh, Danny Onions, also known as Arsenal legend Danny Ceballos. Uh, you got East maybe his last season with Madrid and then Rodrigo Bale. I can see Bale getting a start here in Asensio. So they're going to have talent on the field to go out and get a result. And all they need is a draw. And I think they're going to do it despite losing to Espanol earlier in the season, which was the first time that it happened in like 25 years or something, which was the same week. They lost to sheriff at home. If you
0: remember. So give me the prediction.
1: I'll I'll say I'll say three one with the young if if that team rolls out obviously won't be as much familiarity. Raul de Tomas has been a revelation for Espanol this season, scoring a, a bunch of goals. Not just this season, but uh, over the years, and uh, I could see them getting one. But I think Madrid will want some revenge. Three one, Madrid. Yeah, it's going
0: to be Ceballos, Camavinga, Isco in the midfield. That's what. I'm yeah, thinking. yeah. JJ, what, what what do you think? Uh, they, they take care of business here, don't they?
2: absolutely. I expect them to. Uh, I also think that Ancelotti will, you know, try to be smart in his management here, keep as many players fresh as possible for the City game, given that they still have quite a good chance. I certainly fancy Real to score at least once against City next week at the Bernabeu. So I I think as well, it'll be really interesting to me. I was banging on about his importance uh, when we were doing the, the post-match pod, but I think he needs to give Casemiro a few minutes at some point in this game, probably towards the end, maybe like a 20-minute run out if he can, because Casemiro's uh, return to the starting 11 for that clash with City will be absolutely vital. I think they get the win here, I, I'd say 2-0, but I think it's all about preparing the players for that clash with City.
0: All righty, anything else in La Liga before we go to Serie A? Everybody, uh, I mean, I think the top four will probably stay as it is. Uh, Jimmy, anything uh, like bet have their silverware. Oh, now. that's right. I need to well worry done, about getting back in. <laughs> Good point, my friend. Good point. Good point. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, anything on La Liga?
1: No, obviously, Barcelona is in a bit of a tailspin after everybody kind of thinking. Uh, they turned it around. They have righted the ship. They're going to win the Europa League, and it hasn't gone that way. And this is, for me, Xavi's first legitimate crisis of, of form, given the, the amount of talent he has and given how well they were playing and now how well they're not. So I'm very curious to see how Barcelona perform uh, this weekend. And then Betis and, and Real Sociedad, Villarreal, are all – Pretty close. Villarreal obviously have a lot to think about, but uh, they need to stay somewhat relevant because it doesn't look like they're running the, the Champions League. So they are three points out of that last Europa League spot behind Sociedad. So it, it's, it, oh, that little section right there is really important in the table. So we'll see how all those teams perform.
0: JJ, anything on the Liga before we move?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just, like like I said, I don't think that there's that pressure there anymore on Betis. So it will be really interesting to see what Villarreal do, whether they decide to go all in on that second leg uh, against Liverpool, trying to make something magic happen, or whether Unai Emery tries to, you know, make one last push in the in the league to get back into Europe for next season.
0: Yeah, well, they travel to Alaves, as you said, that Saturday early kickoff as well. All right, well, Scudetto... Is there going to be another twist, another twist in the race for the title in Italy? Uh, By the way, in case of a tiebreaker, it's head-to-head points if both matches have been played, then head-to-head goal difference, then goal difference as well as slightly different in Italy. But AC Milan looked at this Inter game uh, (laughs) midweek and were like, woo, baby, but does anybody want to win this? By the way, and AC Milan have the head-to-head advantage, by the way, as we take this. But Jonathan Johnson, AC Milan, surely this is it. But they host Fiorentina, who lost big midweek as well to Udinese, who actually in turn faced Inter Milan. What do you what do you expect in Italy, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, some real poses there. So I imagine it's probably gonna go against uh, you know, my my logic, my dubious logic when I'm looking at these games. This is a huge opportunity for, for Milan. I if you'd asked me sort of before the game how I thought Inter might drop points, I'd say that they maybe drew that game against Bologna, so at least we're one point within one point of Milan. So, you know, for them to lose, uh, you know, that is a real uh, On a goalkeeper howler, honest. by the
1: way, Parasic should never have thrown it backwards, but off the throw-in, but anyway, different <laughs> conversation.
0: Okay, but that's like, that's like, all right, Parasic, what are you doing? But I mean, that was a horrific mistake, was it the, not?
1: The, well, I didn't know who he was throwing it to. Was he throwing it back to his defender or was he throwing it back to the goalkeeper? Regardless, I I, it was terrible. <laughs> well, I get it, but there's like, there's like a, a domino effect of bad decisions in that whole thing. And it starts with Parasic's throwing. in
0: It but, starts, but I think it ends with
1: the kick, I get uh, it. No, of course, of course. I don't want to. Well,
0: well, chime in, Jimmy. I mean, AC Milan, surely this is it, right?
1: Yeah, but when you look at their schedule, it's it's not easy. And I think Inter have the better run out. They, they, they have to play Fiorentina, who are going to be embarrassed. Fiorentina's tripping up to try to catch Roma for that Europa League spot. Mm. And, and uh, losing 4-0 at home to Udinese is embarrassing. So I think they're going to be a response from Fiorentina. There was 4-3 between these two teams earlier in November in the season. So they know how they can score goals against each other. That was with Vlachovic, though, with Fiorentina. So take that uh, into consideration. Milan, know that they have it here. I think they can get past Fiorentina, whose heads are down right now. But they have to go to Verona. Not an easy place to play. Then they play Atalanta, who are actually better away from home than they are at home in Bergamo. And then they got Sassuolo away. Like that's Those are four very, very tough games. And when I think about what Inter has, now they have the Coppa Italia. So they have to play Juve in the middle of their last four games. So that's something to take into consideration. But they have Udinese, Empoli... Tagliari, and Sampdoria. And when we look at those four teams remaining with regard to what Milan have, I think Milan are going to drop points. And I think the the fate could be back in Inter's hands at some point, but they have to actually go out there and perform as well, and they can't have those slip-ups like they had against Bologna.
0: Do they drop points in this one against Fiorentina?
1: Uh, I don't think they will. I think Milan will do the business here, but but I worry that they could drop them somewhere else. I think it could be against Atalanta, who have just had a 4-4 game midweek. Uh, Sassuolo away, maybe that last game of the season. It just could be squeaky bum time in that last one. They might not show up. They seem to struggle with the teams that they should beat. So, so these are all really tough challenges for Milan. But if you want to be champion, you got to win these games, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think there are definitely a few trap games in there for for Milan. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me to see the pendulum swing at least once more uh, between now and the end of the season. I mean, another factor as well could be, depending on the situation at the bottom of the table, Salernitano, if they continue to keep their push going up, you know, Cagliari may well be desperate for the points when they come to face Inter as well. So that's another thing to take into consideration. But I do expect both Milan and Inter to win their games this weekend.
0: Well, one thing is for certain, the chaos continues in Serie A, which you can watch exclusively on Paramount+. Uh, anything before we move to the old firm, Sampdoria against Genoa, that's the derby de la lanterna, and Juventus against Venezia, who, by the way, Zanetti has been fired as well. Anything remaining there, Jimmy, from Serie A? Before uh, we just, we-
1: just bummed about Venezia. I mean, they were kind of hanging in the middle of the bottom half of the table. And it looked like things were on the up and up. They were going to have kind of some from Brentford vibes. Like you could see they had some talent and they went and got Nani. And, you know, we have a couple of Americans there with Tanner Testman and John Luca Busio. So you wanted to see them stay up. And I know it was a bit fortuitous. I actually really randomly play with one of the minority owners. I play a little uh, five aside every Sunday near my house. And he, is a minority owner, so I get kind of some of the insight Humble behind brag the there. Humble brag I mean, is it? I don't know if it is or isn't, but uh yeah, I guess it is. I'm flexible. But but <laughs> it is he, he, he just felt like they were quite fortuitous to get promoted in the first place last mm. season, and everything they were playing with was house money. But once you kind of get a taste of Serie A and you get a taste of the top division, and you you know get to travel to, to Milan and play the big clubs and Turin and, and all that stuff, it must be pretty intoxicating. So for them to not have won, I think they have one one win in their last 15 games. It's pretty disappointing because they were hanging around for a while, but it looks like they're going to go down. So sad days for Venezia. They do have the best kits in all of Italy, though. So I guess that means something. I don't know. I,
2: JJ, I think they, they had a few dubious decisions go against them as well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which never helps. I, I just feel like, I mean, I remember when I was still doing the the the, the power rankings uh, before we had Francesco Porzio come uh, come on board with us, uh, and I just, there were times where I thought, you know, could they maybe do a little bit better with somebody a bit more capable than Zanetti mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in charge? You know, Zanetti, you know, a, a good coach within his own rights. sounds like he's going to, uh, you know, land on his feet and perhaps be the man charged with taking Palmer back to Serie A for next season. But... Also, at the same time, it kind of feels like maybe if they'd made that change a little bit soon. I I don't really see the point of making the change now, kind of hoping for that, you know, last minute managerial change uh, bounce that you've got with like Burnley and clubs like that. I think if they were going to make that change, if it was really in the works, it should have been done a while ago. Agreed.
0: All righty. Well, let's uh, move on and let's go to the old firm, which, by the way, you can also watch on CBS Sports. Yes. Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Celtic. Against Rangers, what a game! And again, we are taping this before Rangers have to face Leipzig in the Europa League semi-finals. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy, chime in. Who has impressed you the most this season, Postacoglu or Van Bronckhorst?
2: I mean, I think uh, Van Bronkhorst inherited quite a complicated situation in replacing Stevie G. Uh, I know many people felt like uh, Gerard left Rangers in the lurch, um, you know, but he had done wonders with the club and built them up over the last couple of years. I liked, uh, you know, Leipzig sort of taking it all the way back to like ten years ago or so in the build-up to that game uh, against Rangers in the Europa League, where they were saying like where they were both were like ten years ago. Leipzig were still in the fourth division of German football and Rangers were all the way down at the bottom of the Scottish pyramid after restarting. So, you know, that's quite a nice way to to, to look at that game uh, coming into this one. But for me, I feel like it comes at a really bad time for rangers because this is a crucial game if they really want to harbor any more title hopes postacoglu has uh you know celtic you know performing much better than we've seen them be in the last couple of years uh, and i think that this injury crisis that rangers have in attack you know may well be the difference between these two sides i mean it's not going to be a complete failure for rangers they've still got the cup final to look forward to because they knocked celtic out of that to reach the final against hearts so there is still potential silver on the horizon there i just think it's going to be a difficult couple of weeks for them both against leipzig and celtic here yeah.
1: yeah it's tough this is a great conversation and a good good uh, question to ask because i think there's a lot to admire about what van bronckhorst has done in inheriting a team from CVG. though having an identity when you're a manager you want to put your spin on things as well and getting a, a a a nice win in the scottish cup in particular to get to the final they still have to win that but a nice run in europe as well something that CVG really failed to do with this Rangers club, despite the talent that he had assembled. But I feel like, uh, Posa- how do you say it, Anj? Postacoglu. Postacoglu, yes, thank you for that. He he uh, is the first Australian, by the way, to to manage in one of the top leagues in Europe, so that's a pretty big deal. But last season for Celtic, they didn't win any trophies. It's mm. one of the rare seasons. They didn't win anything. They got second in the league, got knocked out in the League Cup in the second rounds. Scottish Cup lost in the fourth rounds. Uh, bounced in the Champions League qualifying, group stages in the Europa League, and they lost their top score. Uh, Edouard went to Crystal Palace. So the fact that he had to now figure out different ways to to inherit that situation, and now they're going to win the Scottish Premiership despite whatever happens in this game at the old firm. I mean, they're very, very close to to making that official and very similar to Madrid. They just need a, a point, I think, to, to secure that. And and they did win the League Cup already, so so they're going to have some silverware to show for it. And I think that I'm actually a little bit more impressed with that because he was a bit of an unknown quantity that they were going to trust this guy. Despite his wealth of experience in, with Australia's national team and the Australian League, I think he's really won over a lot of people and got the most out of that club. Now he can maybe kick on and say, all right, I've 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 ticked these boxes for Celtic. Next year, let's push on and try to do something a little bit more meaningful in Europe. So I really like... Uh, what, what he's done, and and uh, I'm excited to see what he does in season two with a proper transfer window and, and really putting a stamp on things moving forward.
0: Well, what do you expect in this game?
1: Uh, yeah, I think Celtic, uh, I could see a draw just to kind of inch their way to the title, but but uh, Celtic probably want a little revenge for getting knocked out in uh, the Scottish Cup semifinals, so I think Celtic are going to do the business here. Two JJ? More.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go two-one Celtic, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a two-two draw. I think there's going to be lots of blood and thunder as we always come <laughs> to expect with the with the old firm. But uh, yeah, I agree with Jimmy. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's uh, it, this one's going to Celtic. I think.
0: All righty. Well, by the way, uh, some Scottish uh, Premiership news: uh, Roy Keane closing in, maybe on managing oh, Hibs. Hibs. Uh, yeah, wow. This should, should be oh, interesting. <laughs> Those poor players. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. All right. Well, we have reached the final thoughts for Weekend Preview as we say goodbye. Jimmy, final thoughts, buddy.
1: Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to another week of a Texas Derby. Last week, we had FC Dallas and Houston Dynamo competing in Dallas. Houston were in complete control. Had some great chances to ice that game and gave up two late goals and lost 2-1. They get Austin FC, who are one of the best teams in MLS this season. And my shout-out to my former national team teammate and roommate, Josh Wolf, who's the head coach there. That's another flex for you at LME. And, and now this game is in Houston. So we'll see what Austin FC uh, has in store because uh, that's not an easy place to go and get a result. So it should be an interesting game. JJ?
2: Yeah. And uh, from France, uh, it's not all over. Obviously, the league title has been sewn up, but there's still the Olympico to look forward to this weekend. Marseille against Lyon. That should be tasty. Lyon fighting for their lives to get themselves into European contention later on. That whole European race is very interesting. Strasbourg against PSG on Friday. But, uh, you know, there's some really informed teams right now. Monaco on a tear and, uh, doing great things as well. So keep your eye on what's going on in that European race this weekend.
0: I love it. My only final thought will be on the championship. Uh, really exciting there as well. Fulham already gained promotion. They're returning to the Premier League. And it's a battle for that second automatic spot between Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Amazing. And they're facing different teams this weekend, but then face each other on Tuesday, everybody. Wow. This is a huge game. Uh, Bournemouth has 79 points, Forest have 78. Six. So, you know, depending obviously what happens in the weekend, that Tuesday game is going to be massive. And below that, Huddersfield, Luton Town, Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, Blackburn, Millwall. I mean, they're all still kind of in contention for the playoff spots. Uh, Championships are always exciting uh, as we look at. It's May next week, everybody. My God, didn't it's just is it flying by? by. You're doing too slow. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's flying by. It's absolutely it's flying by, but but it's it's hurtling to a nice finish in a whole bunch of leagues around the world as we start to look forward to. I was going to say a summer of a World Cup. We got to wait till the winter. But I know but
0: this I, is, w- it's going to be weird. Uh, no 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 World Cup in a summer. But hey, but but this, oh, I think yeah, the you, transfer you got, window. You've got the nation league, nations league though.
1: <laughs> we, we do. We, we do. That's always that's always a close second, JJ. But but I think the transfer window is going to be next level this, oh, yeah. this season. So I'm curious to see what happens in the summer.
0: The summer of strikers per our Fabrizio Romano. And I got Peru on my birthday as well to play uh to beat either Australia or United So we'll talk about that later. All right, Jimmy Conrad, <laughs> Conradinho. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you guys. You. Hey, Always by the a way, pleasure. Jimmy's in soccer. We trust. Him. Make sure that you check it out. All USMNT content, MLS content. Yes. We have
1: special guest Hector Moreno coming on the pod today. Has over a hundred caps for the Mexican national team. He's going to give us his insight. On whether Mexico can make a deep run in the World Cup or lose in the round of 16 for the eighth consecutive World Cup. I don't know. <laughs> He's just going to get into that. I don't know.
0: I love it. I love it. Hector Moreno is awesome uh, in soccer. We trust. And Jonathan Johnson, all oh, his content on CBS Sports, John underscore gossip. Anything to plug, JJ? Uh,
2: that's a good question. Uh, I can't remember what my last piece was. I think it was dissecting uh, Villarreal's disappointing first that was leg. Very good, little, ch- check that out. And uh, guys, just a pleasure as always getting to riff with you.
0: Absolutely. Up the Villa. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Weekend preview is done. Um, our World Cup series, by the way, continues. we got a great one this weekend as well. So stay tuned for that. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, Element at I at YouTube.com forward slash Kegolazo. Anywhere you listen to your pod, CBS Sports, etc. Have a great, great weekend. See you next time.